0: welcome to the china team china webinar master your supply chain challenges 2022 for china business in partnership with asia biz stories over to you peter
1: thank you very much neville hello everyone i am peter bornstein part of the china team a couple words to myself Uh, I've spent about 16, 17 years during the last 30 years, even if I don't look that old, I am rather old, uh, in China, in Guangzhou, Shanghai, and uh, Beijing. Currently, I am uh, based in Germany. And in China, I've been managing director for a number of companies in the uh, services industry and in the software industry. I'm pleased to be the moderator today And um, without further ado, I will introduce the speaker for our keynote speech. We will have time to introduce the other experts after the keynote speech. And then after the introductions, we will have a general discussion. Um, So uh, our keynote speaker is Thomas Wiedemann from Korn Consult with history in China and also in the supply chain for the automotive industry. Please, Thomas, I'll hand over to you for your introduction and your keynote speech.
2: Yeah, thanks a lot, Peter. Thanks also, um, Neville. Hello, everybody. I'm very glad and honored uh, that you all are joining this um, webinar. I'm Thomas Wiedemann from Corn Consult Group. Um, representing the company as a participant and also a proud sponsor of this event. So a few words um, on myself, um, I'm almost um, 25 years of uh, automotive experience, uh, um, Tier 1, international Tier 1 suppliers, as well as well-known uh, German OEM brands, uh, out of which I spent five years in China from 2015 to uh, 2019. Uh, that's where my yeah, um, affection to um, China comes from. Now, um, before we jump into our topic supply chain um, challenges 2022 China, um, please allow me to spend a few words on uh, the company I'm representing and I'm working for. Uh, For this, I will take over um, the control, if you don't mind. And hopefully, everyone can see my screen now. Yes, we can. Okay. So um, this is. Um, I will keep it as quick and as and, and short as as possible, just to give you a very uh, rough overview about uh, who we are at CON Consult Group and what we are able to offer to our customers in terms of products and, and services. Uh, so where do we come from? A company was founded in 2006 in, in Germany, so a German uh, company. I will quickly rush uh, through the other stations, the development, the offices that were opened over the last couple of years. I will just stop uh, two or three seconds here in 2014, which is the year when our office in China and Shanghai was officially uh, opened. Uh, so we are also present with an known um, affiliate in china um next couple of years so you see we are basically present in all uh, of the important global markets but um, the development will not uh, stop here uh, of course next page um on the uh, right hand side is uh, basically the same but just um, in another uh, way of showing it Um, this is the um, map where we are located um, founded in two th- 2006, as I just said, we are currently having 11 worldwide offices, uh, some 70 plus team members, 300 plus external experts and uh, a total of 3,000 plus uh, successful projects carried out. Our main um, uh, area of activity is the automotive industry, we are doing also um, support and, and consulting activities in the industry, some minor activities in chemistry, uh, medical care. And, as you can see, also uh, a row of um, yeah awards um, coming from independent authorities or uh, other organizations. Our um, mission statement is that we support to develop your competencies and uh, efficiency. So our mission at Korn uh, Consult Group is that quality and success are not coincidence for our customers but they are the result of elaborated and structured business um, processes. So our commitment is uh, to generate added value for our customers through our consulting projects and also throughout the whole uh, project lifetime. So usually we would accompany our customers from the very first beginning from the analysis phase until the implementation of the identified measures and their monitoring. Um, On the bottom, this nice photo uh, shows the latest award we uh, received uh, some two weeks ago uh, from German um, magazine Wirtschaftswoche, uh, Best of Consulting 2021. So that was uh, very quickly in a nutshell, a few words about uh, Korn Consult uh, Group Company, who again is proud to be sponsor of this uh, event of today. Now, let's jump into uh, the topic of today's webinar, Supply Chain Challenges 2022, uh, with a special regards to uh, our and to your um, China business. Now, what kind of challenges um, could we expect to face in 2022? Of course, we have political and social um environment, um, customs export brands not so long ago uh, we could read about trade war even between different regions or even countries in this world and um, we can uh, we have to be aware that or we I think we can be sure that this will continue to be a threat or to be a risk a challenge also in 2022. Of course, and unfortunately, uh, we have the ongoing corona pandemic which uh, is giving us, as we all know, uh an innumerable uh, number of of um yeah challenges of risks of threats in terms of travel restrictions in terms of predictability regional um shutdowns not only in china also in europe uh, even in germany um, we have regional um, yeah um, regulations depending on on uh, yeah uh, the the uh, infection um scenario We have rising energy costs, which is, um, among others, also affecting, of course, directly the cost of uh, transportation. Um, We are facing supply shortages. Um, Maybe the most prominent example I showed here is the semiconductors, but I could have also written because this is the period uh, Christmas presents. We have the legal um, aspect of this business compliance, supply chain law, which is um, going to enter into function, at least in Germany from 2023, but means that um, enterprises have to be prepared uh, in advance. So this list here is of course not comprehensive um, and um, it depends case on case. It depends on the commodity, on the business we are doing, but I think those four or five key elements affect uh, up to a certain extent, more or less, every kind of business um, that we are doing uh, in and and, uh, with China also in 2022. Now, what could be possible um, solutions, um, countermeasures, um, preparations to all those uh, challenges? Uh, One thing uh, is localization, of course, supplier localization, not only in terms of production, but also in terms of having uh, a local staff there uh, able to to um, bridge uh, language and and culture um, gaps or or, uh, challenges. This is enabling us to to shorten distances, avoid uh, things like we've seen before, customs, uh, long um, shipment um, durations, and also the time gap, which uh, currently during the winter time in Europe is uh, seven hours between Europe or Germany and and China. And we all know that this sometimes is also a challenge to our um, daily business. Uh, Another key is of course a robust supplier management and uh, this is not only referred to our direct um, suppliers, but this is, uh, in my opinion, uh, referred to the whole uh, supply chain until the TRN uh, supply chain. This could in- include a, a supplier qualification, a monitoring. Uh, this could include uh, really shop floor activities. And I will give you some examples uh, to this um, right um, afterwards. Facing in stable forecasts, um, uh, generally speaking, difficult predictability. Um, one tool could be long-term contracts, could also be multiple sourcing. Of course, also here, this depends on the commodity, on the business we are working in. Uh, but this is one of the uh, tools that we can uh, take out of our box in order to gain flexibility. And very important, especially when it comes to... Um, do do business, doing business in, in especially in China, uh, create trust between the um, business partners. Uh, rolling forecasts, of course, this is directly linked to the contracts. As um, we will see later, everything is linked somehow. So um, even though uh, I draw some single arrows here, but um, all those challenges and also the solutions uh, can be only seen as a let me say combined um, approach. Supply chain law implementation, this is also something that um, I think everyone doing business um, should be not only aware of, but should be prepared for. Uh, So I think the content um, of this supply chain law uh, is known, um, but um, I think everyone who will be subject to this law should be uh, prepared um, if it has not started yet uh, from from now on. So as I... Just told you all those um, things. They are combined somehow, so that's why I tried to draw it in a different way. Uh, the content of this slide actually is the very same compared to the last two slides. So on the left hand side, the, the challenges; on the right hand side, um, the solution approaches. But I, what I wanted to show here is that it's not only one on one. So one arrow from the left going to the right. Uh, it's really uh, one one thing is is um, influencing and interfering to, to many other things. Uh, you can read it from left to right, you can read it from right to left. So that's why I think that the basic, uh, or the, maybe the, the main the main challenge is to have the right balance of all those factors, which again, are not comprehensive here, uh, depending on, on, on your business, on your uh, commodities, on your customers, on your suppliers. So the holistic approach here, I think is um, the real challenge um, at the end. And um, now I want to um, make the bridge back to um, what we as Corn Consult Group are able to offer um, in order to cope with those challenges, uh, in order to implement um, the right um, solutions, the right um, countermeasures. Uh, I selected just two random um, examples from the recent uh, past. The first is from an automotive tier one logistics um, support uh, projects. We can see some of the keywords that uh, just appeared on the previous slides. Um, we supported to implement rolling forecasts. Uh, we, supp- uh, we supported to uh, implement a robust supplier uh, management, including um escalation meetings or task force wherever they are necessary we are able to not only accompany this but also to lead this and we are doing this locally in uh with our chinese um organization in china uh which covers of course whole of china mainland and uh also outside china in the asian uh, pacific region and uh as i just mentioned before we uh, accompany our um customers and their and our projects until the very end so including the deliverables we will measure them we we will implement them we will measure them and uh, we will evaluate um, the uh, result uh, at the end for our customer the second project um, is uh, concerning quality and delivery uh, performance improvements so again um, a lot of the same uh, keywords, uh, delivery performance, which of course is, is uh, a part of logistics of supply chain, a reduction of scrap rate, um, safety stock level, which is also an important uh, factor when it comes to balancing, when it comes to be prepared for instable, unpredictable uh, situations, forecasts. So here, uh, in this case, uh, we could implement an optimized safety stock for um, selected uh, components uh, in order to gain in flexibility. of course this is also always a balance between cost and and, and flexibility uh, and a scrap rate that in that case was decreased from 70 to 15 um, percent. So that's uh, in a nutshell um, what I uh, prepared as a keynote uh, for this. Um, thank you so far. Um, as Neville just mentioned, my contact data will be provided uh, also later on, in case there are uh, more questions, with I, which I, of course, would be happy to um, answer to uh, you. And at that point, if there are no questions so far, then I would like to hand back to Peter again. Thank you.
1: Yes, thank you very much, uh, Thomas, for an introduction to the topic. It is indeed a, a large area supply chain with a lot of issues and to handle as a as a company um, as a next step uh, i would like to give the chance to introduce our panelists we have three panelists today in addition to thomas and the uh, yeah i'll just take them as, as i see them on the screen here um, roland rode uh, who is based in Hong Kong for the German Trade and Invest organization. Roland, do you want to say a few words about yourself?
3: Yeah, just, uh, just keep it short. Um, yes, um, I do work for Germany Trade and Invest uh, for uh, r- almost 20 years. Uh, we are the officially uh, the foreign trade and investment promotion agency of Germany. And most of my time I write reports about uh, the Chinese market, sometimes also about the Hong Kong market, and we provide these informations uh, to German companies uh, for free. You can find really a lot of information about different industrial sectors on our uh, website www.gtai.de. Uh, well, I'm now here in Hong Kong already second time altogether for 13 years. That's a long time, Roland.
1: Thank you for your introduction. And uh, you. we also have someone uh, from Shanghai, I believe, uh, Jan, the general manager of Street. Do you want to say a few words about yourself, Jan?
4: Yes, thanks, uh, thanks a lot, Peter, for the for the introduction. Um, actually, I'm I'm based in Fuzhou in in Fujian Province now. Um, I had been in in China since 2009, and basically worked across different industries, including medical, uh, industrial, and and consumer segments, uh, for both multinational and and SME companies. And um, also, I, I have not left China in, in the last two years. Uh, so uh, I have experienced the whole uh, COVID situation from the beginning until now. And you, you never, never stop learning. So I'm very glad to be on this panel today and also exchange some news and, and solutions with, with the other panelists here. Thank you. Thank you, Jan, for
1: your introduction. And last but not least, we also have an experienced, long-time logistics manager with us, Rolf Kupec. Rolf, do you want to say a few words, please?
5: Thank you. Yes, my name is Rolf Kupec. I'm a managing director of uh, Kupec Consulting and Business Development. Uh, in the past, I have a company for supply chain management and uh different uh, other things I uh, sell this company for last years and now I help uh, companies uh, around the world to uh, manage their supply chain and uh, bring this uh, supply chain in the right uh, connections to, to Europe and uh, especially Germany my idea is to help these companies uh, to have an have an up in Germany uh, for make a safe business uh, between maybe Asia and uh, Germany that's what I do
1: okay thank you Rolf Um, and so so then we come to the discussion part of today's uh, webinar Uh, I have a few questions as a moderator of course to start the discussions to Uh, with our guests but uh, please all the participants feel free to ask questions we have a chat we'll be looking at the chat and uh, please put in your questions and then we'll direct them to our panelists so it's it's not that the uh, panelists are supposed to discuss among themselves we would like some interaction and um, yeah waiting for Questions to show up in the chat so far. No, I don't see any questions there. But uh, hopefully, we'll we'll have some uh, along the way. Um, yes, after the introduction by Thomas on the sort of general situation and all the the problems there are, maybe we'll start with a bit a general question as well. Um, Okay, I hear I'm not visible. Okay, um, I'll fix that in a moment maybe. Um, Roland, uh, you are from German Trade and Invest and then you monitor the market um, at the situation. What do you think, just as a general idea, when will normality return?
3: Yeah, um, I'm sorry, I don't have a crystal ball with me now. Uh, but, uh, well, we can see at least uh, for the last months, uh, weeks, and there was a slightly decrease in uh, container freight rates, or spot freight rates. Uh, they have been on the route from um, Shanghai to Rotterdam. They have been around 15,000, and now they are around thirteen. Yeah, 13,500 route about, what I read uh, today. Um, still, this is uh, 300% plus. Um, but um, we could expect after Chinese New Year, that will be in February uh, 2020, that the rates will go down further. I also do expect... Um, that the shortage of uh, container will improve, um, but still the shortage of all kinds of goods, of raw materials, of intermediate goods, um, of components and parts uh, will be a major challenge in, I would say, in the first half year of 2022.
1: Okay, and do you think then afterwards it might get better?
3: yes um, that it's not for sure but i think the problems are quite well known the container shortage is now a phenomenon it's one already one year so the producers um, of of containers they increased capacity the output increased so there's really some hope that the shortage of of uh, containers um, yeah will improve and just Let's not forget what's what's normal Um, we have in the logistics sector. We have very, very low uh, freight rates for almost 10 years. The big shipping companies uh, didn't make any any big profit for 10 years. So now it's their time to earn some money uh, and also to invest, to invest in new ships and so on. And definitely um, there will be a, a new cycle and then the freight rates will go down again.
1: Okay, so that's that's a bit promising, Maybe promising for later on. Then hopefully, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, myself. I had some technical difficulties here, but just as in supply chain, also in seminars and webinars, you have a plan B. So I'm I'm on my mobile phone here, and it'll be should be working fine now. In the run-up to the webinar, Jan, we've been uh, speaking a little bit uh, about your own company and issues you have do you want to share some of the issues
4: that you have and then how you deal with them Yes yes absolutely um, I also think during uh, Thomas' presentation just now when when he shared okay what what are the current current issues and also possible solutions uh, from from a China supply chain perspective. Um, it was for me like t- ticking off the list in in my mind. So so basically all all the issues mentioned uh, we have we have encountered uh, in in the past uh, ne- nearly two years. And uh, I think what what I found is that most most of the challenges they they somehow come come in waves. So you have an issue popping up, it it's persisting for for a couple of weeks and then it it may calm down again. Um, one example for that would be the local uh, local COVID uh, infections or local local COVID clusters. So basically. Um as as many of you may know china is is very strict with with protecting their their own borders so anybody who wanted to come into the country uh, and i know that uh, xiaolong has has done that for a few times uh, will be quarantined for for basically 3 weeks and there are also very very strict measures within the country um our our most recent case, um, there was uh, news on on Monday this week that one one single COVID case had been discovered in in Ningbo in in Zhejiang province, and once we heard the news, um, we immediately contacted one of our suppliers there uh, to try and ship every component they still had in the warehouse out to us immediately but it was already too late. So now the the entire district there is is under lockdown. Um, Nobody is allowed into the factories, no no trucks in and out. And we know that this is gonna take three to four weeks at least to be normalized. There are going to be up to seven rounds of of testing. And if everything is under control, the, the restrictions will be released. But until then, we need different sources and that's that's also one one of the learnings um we we've, we've had since uh, since the beginning of 2020 that even within a, a sourcing market such as china it is very important to diversify so basically uh, for for key components and areas where you can only keep limited inventory it it would be advisable as far as possible to have different sources so in in our case, we we switch to another supplier right away, and we can keep our production according to the plan until until Chinese New Year. Um, another another thing um, that had been uh, affecting us was the the whole uh, energy shortage, electricity rationing um, that that had come up. Um, earlier this year, very local in, in Guangdong province already. Uh, then it, it disappeared again after the summer. Nobody was was really talking about it anymore um, until it hit again in, in September and October. And uh, this this again didn't have a, a direct impact on our operations, but on the upstream raw material suppliers of our suppliers and as as a result um lead times for for certain components have have increased and we we had to adjust our our planning horizon um but since since we have already been in in that routine basically you you cannot expect anything and if if circumstances change uh you have to change your ways so we we have been able to adapt again and now just Hope, hope for the best, uh, but plan for the worst, and see what's what's coming next.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's always a, a good comment. Um, I see uh, Rolf, you are smiling. Uh, hope for hope for the best, plan for the worst. Uh, what hope have, have your what have your experiences uh, been? I've I've
5: seen the, the same uh, topics as Jan. Because of ongoing supply problems, more and more companies, especially in, in Germany and Europe, intend to change their activities with uh, Chinese suppliers. Astronomical freight rates and tearing down of supply chains are leading importers to conclude the, pro, uh, the producing goods in China. And shipping them to Europe is simply too expensive now. Because the container price often exceeds the value of the goods. That's the point. Uh, and I, I'm not sure that uh, Roland are right, uh, that uh, freight rate uh, going down in uh, the next half year. Maybe uh, we have uh, the next two years high freight rates. That's also possible. They have, uh, so I see uh, two trends. Either companies say they are going to India or Bangladesh it's um, already more expensive there, but uh, not as expensive, uh, extremely expensive as importing freights from China. Or they they uh, bring production uh, back to Europe and see if they can't uh, optimize process to the much shorter lead times. Then they don't have to wait months uh, for products and in the end, they might save money. Companies uh, must now calculate that, and that is exactly that what they're doing now. I hear a lot of uh, companies in Germany, they discuss what shall we do in the future with our uh, Chinese single source. Only single source is a a problem. Uh, Risk uh, uh, assessments show that single source in Asia is a high risk. uh, Young target example, uh, this is uh, one reason why uh, many companies are considering a uh, partial or complete relocation to Europe, especially uh, Eastern Europe. For Chinese producers and suppliers, it would make sense in the short term to think about uh, new uh, supply chains, about work warehousing in Europe, and the possible optimization of transport costs and flexibilization of the supply chain.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, you, at the end, you, you mentioned one point. Maybe we will take that a little bit later as well. I mean, we mostly discuss it from a German uh, perspective, sort of what are German companies doing with their supply chains from China. Uh, but, I mean, there is also uh, Chinese companies uh, going to, to Germany, and, and we do have some uh, Chinese uh, people in our webinar as well. I mean, uh, it it goes both ways. Uh, how to how to handle that?
5: I I think that both ways because uh, it's a partnership and the partners have to handle the supply chain. Um, so one uh, one of the way is uh, new uh, new stocks in the in the supply chain. Maybe stocks in China that was a the way in the past have uh, uh, stocks assemble it, uh, make uh, quality uh, insurance and and everything in in China and then bring the goods to Europe and now maybe the way bring the goods to Germany, stock it here. And uh, yes, we change the supply chain at one point and the other point is um, save uh, the supply chains with uh, more partners, with uh, second sources and so on.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is, of course, uh, all driving up costs. If you need to find new suppliers, if you have higher stock levels. Um, That's right. Thomas, That's right.
5: But you have more uh, safety in the,
1: in the chain. You have more, more safety, which is at the end of the day is, is more important, of course. I mean, yeah. Thomas, from from your experience and also from your, your clients at Corn Consult, uh, what Rolf mentioned, the, the um, changing of the sourcing location from... Uh, China to other places in uh, Asia or even bringing back production to to, uh, Europe, Uh, do you see the same trend? Is this really a big trend or is this sort of um, some companies only?
2: Uh, it's a trend, yeah, also in the automotive industry where we are operating and, and uh, where also my, um, let me say, previous experience lies. Uh, there are, um, of course, evaluations um, in that going in that direction. Um, but um, to be honest, I don't know up to which extent this will be successful because uh, here we are talking about uh, technically very uh, demanding products, uh, tailor-made uh, products, which you cannot just buy um, everywhere um so um i think this was already mentioned we are not just uh, talking about uh, at least in the field where i come from we are not just talking about buying a certain product from a certain location uh, we are uh, we are talking about uh, the whole let me say life cycle including the development of the part um so um, there are i know that there are um um evaluations towards Vietnam, Malaysia, um, Thailand. Um, but um, yeah as I just said, I'm not uh, sure up to which extent um, this will be successful India of course not to not to uh, forget. And um, coming back to automotive industry is very settled right now I think in China. And um, at least from my experience, most of the suppliers are also um, Western suppliers, European suppliers, German suppliers with their affiliates, with their uh, local um, productions in China. Uh, So these are grown, yeah, relationships grown over years and decades. Uh, But yes, uh, there are trends, but um, I'm not sure whether or not this will be really... Going into or transforming into a big trend in in, in terms of out of China um, to somewhere else in uh, Southeast Asia. Um, also here, um, the same that um, Roland I think uh, just said. I also don't have a crystal ball. Uh, there are um, activities in that direction, but um, in this in this area, it is not so easy because it's also yeah including a certain um, expertise in development in designing. Uh, those kind of products um, which yeah you cannot find um everywhere and it takes uh, i think also this was mentioned uh, it, it takes a, a very long time so it's not just a, a decision to say okay supplier a is not able to deliver it today so i go to supplier b so here we are talking about um durations of of several years from up from the first analysis designing a part testing a part bringing it into series production um so um this is um, not not a short term this is not a, not a short term um trend that will occur i'm sure yeah
1: i mean uh, roland uh, from german trade Invest. i'm sure you have uh, other offices uh, you know in india and southeast asia and everything is there anything from your colleagues like saying seeing, let's say a rush of German companies moving over from China, or
3: do you hear anything there? yeah, can can you repeat the question in three minutes? I have an urgent delivery I have to take. yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry for that, yeah okay.
1: yeah, we, we uh, go ahead, Roland. Um. Yeah, we can see the supply chain deliveries uh, or issues that we have for for Christmas. You cannot tell the people, "Oh, come tomorrow," then they don't come at all, and your loved ones stay without a Christmas <coughs> presents. And we don't want that to happen to to Roland. Um, so we'll move on to uh, another topic. Uh, what Jan mentioned: um, if you have, um, you always need a plan B. Um, the the question is, of course how easy is it to find new suppliers so quickly what do you do how do you certify suppliers and make sure you get the the, the similar uh, quality yeah you're welcome i don't know jan or, or thomas uh, what's your experience there because you mentioned that you're going for for new uh, looking for new suppliers basically on the fly sometimes
2: I mean, if I can um, answer right now. So um, of course, as I just said, also during the keynote, um, not every business is is the same in that regard and not every commodity is the same. Um, So if it comes to, to sourcing, raw materials like wood as it is for uh the case for jan uh, i remember he mentioned just um this is one thing um, from my experience in the automotive industries developing um, a supplier which is for us usually not only a raw material supplier uh, this really takes years and it is a very very uh, big effort and uh, this is not something that um usually usually would have An immediate impact or is giving you immediate um, flexibility in terms of acting in terms of choosing between different um, sources different suppliers Um, so um, again this has to be analyzed case by case Uh, so the companies i worked for um, the oem i was working for i mean this is not a secret was bmw um, is still a rather small um oem compared to others like volkswagen Uh, volkswagen for example we know that they are able due to the sheer volumes they are able to to um, nominate to do some uh, kind of build to print uh, business um, which bmw usually uh, is not able to do uh, simply for for the number of uh, parts for the quantities for the volumes uh, they have so if it comes here to a a real supplier development and, and this is something that i also know from my Uh, Past experience, this is really a process that takes um, many years, so we are talking about at least four or five years um so this is not something that will have an immediate impact but of course um everything should oh everybody or every enterprise is thinking also strategically not also in 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 uh, on a short term uh, so in a uh, more mid term long term strategy uh, this is of course always in discussion but it is not not uh, it's easier said than done yeah let me put it like this
1: so jan how how did you manage you know you, you said okay your corona because of Corona, one of your suppliers was shut down, and then you say, "Oh, okay, I'll take another one." Sounded so easy.
4: Well, it's it's easier easier said than than done, obviously. And I I would also echo uh, Thomas' comments here, saying that uh, developing or or establishing new suppliers can take anywhere between between months and years, depending on on the commodity, depending on on the development cycles. Um, so the the reason why we have been able uh, to make an an easy switch uh, between uh, two two sources was uh, because we had done our homework uh, in the past 12, 12 to 18 months, and uh, I think with with this in mind, uh, regardless if if you're thinking um, about backup backup sources within the same country or across the region or even moving from from Asia to Europe. It, it needs to be well prepared, and uh, simply for the reason of time, it's very, very important to keep close, close communication, close communication uh, with with your partners, and try to find quick solutions in in the interim. And of of course, the the current current situation is is still a, a situation that that the world and and most businesses had had never seen prior to COVID. Which also means that you you might have to try solutions you have never thought about in in the past, and uh, I I think you, usually from from my experience, if if you have close partnerships to suppliers to customers, um, you will be able to to figure out a way. I I think everybody is is in the same boat here here globally, so you you need to you need to move either either way, and um. There is there is that that famous famous triangle between cost, uh, time, and quality, and of of course you, you can't you can't have everything at at the same time. Uh, even more in in the current times, but if if you have a clear priority and you you negotiate, you you collaborate with your partners, you can find a way and get get through that difficult time.
1: Yeah, welcome back, Roland. Uh, you saved your.
3: Saved yourself yeah. by getting the delivery of your Christmas presents? <laughs> exactly. As you see, uh, also in Hong Kong, we have to prepare very, very early for Christmas this year. And if I didn't take this delivery, well, there would, wouldn't would be any Christmas. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, coming back to, to the question, I mean, Rolf was mentioning that he's seeing a lot of his uh, customers uh, actually thinking about moving production and su- uh, sourcing out of China. Thomas was a bit hesitant, saying it's not that easy because, yeah, I mean, if you have established productions, everything. So, so what do you hear from from your colleagues, let's say in Southeast Asia or India? Do you see, you know, German companies lining up um, and then trying to get information how to move their business to these areas?
3: Yeah. Well, uh, let's first say the the relocation of of production from from China to other countries, that's not a very new trend. It already started here in China around 2010, 11 after the financial crisis. And at this time, companies, they relocate uh, their labor-intensive production to low-cost countries, um, especially um, to Vietnam. And then this process uh, gained some speed during the trade conflict between the US and and China. Um, But then we saw in this year and last year uh, year, that the process slowed down again due to all these lockdowns, uh, uh, transport problems, increasing freight costs, and so on. It wasn't that easy uh, to relocate a uh, production anymore. But what we can see, a lot of production went already to, to Vietnam. Vietnam uh, has a lot of foreign direct investment coming in for the last 10 years. Um, but nevertheless, my colleague in, in Vietnam, she always says, well, if you see the um, the container throughput of whole Vietnam is smaller than in one big Chinese port. So you, you can see, you can't relocate all this production from China to only one country, because China is too big, and even Vietnam is, is not big enough. And what we can see as a trend is also that companies relocating production, they are not leaving China for good. They are only relocating one part of the production, and this is a labor-intensive uh, production uh, of um, yeah, I would say lower quality goods, but really uh, the production of yeah higher quality, more uh, high-tech products, they stay in China. And I, I do expect that China will stay the, the biggest market for sourcing in the foreseeable future.
1: Okay, thank you. Yeah, we, we're getting some messages here in, in, in the chat, one of our participants, yeah putting it as a policy of China plus one. Sort of you keep China, but you add on um, somewhere else uh, to ha- have a backup plan and um, add, exactly. a, add a safety, yes. safety net. Uh, the, the question here from Patrick is also, he has a very interesting um, potential solution that his company is looking at, um, making uh, work and progress items uh, in China and shipping and finishing them in Taiwan and then shipping from Taiwan, um, sort of to go through that route, have Taiwan as a transshipment point and, and finishing up the good. Um, and he's asking your opinions about this concept.
4: Well, I, I would like to uh, to, to off, offer some some guidance on on that question. Um, I think it it always depends on on the main on the main target. So, for example, if if the reason was the for the move was to to avoid customs duty or or any any punitive duties in in the target markets, um, that's definitely something that that I've seen over the past years. And um, then i think it it really depends on on the customer's requirements um, i had seen some some cases for uh, for companies targeting the us uh with with products that that had been hit by additional duties um that they shipped uh, components uh, from from chinese manufacturers to to mexico for example um did did the final kitting or or assembly in in a free trade zone there and then basically uh, could move it as at no no import duty or very favorable terms into the U.S. Um, if the reason for for the move would be the the labor cost, um, then this this might not change the whole picture, and you would have to think about relocating to to Southeast Asia or, or other locations maybe.
1: Somebody wants to make a little bit complex solution. Um, then, yeah, maybe call Thomas or Rolf who are in consulting to to come up with ideas how to to ship around things and produce them and and find the right free trade zone uh, that that works for you and, and and your products and markets. okay. Thank you. Yes.
5: And we think uh, we find not uh, one solution for all. is uh, every, uh, everything is uh, specified and we have uh, to calculate uh, what the costs of uh, of the supply chain and what is the best way for this uh, special problem.
1: Yeah, okay. Let's uh, turn it maybe around a little bit also, looking at the other direction. We've been talking about China going out of of, uh, China, but if a Chinese company is moving maybe it's production to Germany to avoid long transportations and then um, supply chain issues. Um, so not just a German company moving back into familiar territory. Um, and I think, Rolf, you, you are dealing with, with with companies in in that area. What would be your advice maybe a little bit and, and, and how should a Chinese company go about that?
5: I think um, as, a, as a way of flexibility, why uh, do European customers buy in China? It's the only, uh, the main argument as a price. As already discussed uh, today, the argument will not longer count ex- uh, exclusively in the future. And the goods will become more expensive to uh, the high transport uh, rates. Um, uh, safety uh, stocks and so on. We discussed it on um, other other factors uh, like uh, after um, uh, a good after-sales service is also an argument to go uh, for the Chinese or the Asian companies in the other countries because we see uh, if you are um, in the in the target country. Uh, you have more uh, possibilities to find good solutions uh, for your customers. Uh, profi- professionally, um, after sales service, uh, people, uh, they uh, speak the language and uh, act the rules uh, in this country. This I think in the future, uh, really important for, uh, for Asia or Chinese uh, companies to... Uh, Go so in the in the changing changing markets. I think in, in, in European the, the we have a mindset. The mindset is not uh, not only cheap, sondern is uh, yes uh, safe uh, enough, uh, no stress uh, and uh, short uh, short uh, chains, short supply chains. And for this point can help uh, to be in, in the country. With, uh, with own um, with own plans with, uh, with own warehouses and with, with own uh, sales uh, apartments. That is a way what we see and what we discuss with a lot of our customers. they, uh, they it uh, would be uh, uh, really helpful if we have uh, the partners here in Europe. I think that the uh, uh, important point that we have to discuss in the, in the next future with a lot of companies. Because what are the competitors? The competitors are uh, sitting in Eastern Europe. They are legally uh, um, on the customers. They have uh, a lot of people. They speak German language and so on. And so we have uh, the gap uh, between uh, Eastern Europe companies uh, and uh, Asia companies. And for Asia companies, I think it's important how can we uh, switch this gap?
1: Uh, thank you. Thank you, Rolf. And I wanted to to pick up on one thing that you were mentioning, also saying, yeah, it has to be sort of safe. It has to work fine and everything. It's not just about price. Looking then at uh, the suppliers in China, uh, most of us have been around a long time in China, and we've seen probably a few things happening that you you don't want to happen in your supply chain. But if you look at the current situation um, and compare your suppliers in China, especially Chinese local suppliers, and compare them also, not just under the aspect of price, but under the aspect of everything works, it's safe, uh, the quality, uh, to, to Western suppliers, what do you see there? Do you still see a big difference or do you see, well, you know, to to find and qualify a supplier in China, it's actually the same thing as in in Europe. Where do you see the differences?
5: The main uh, the main things like quality and uh, professionality are um, are the same at the time, but uh, we have uh, different uh, cultures and uh, a lot of things they are they are different. And uh, so we have, um, yes, uh, five things how we can uh, uh, make the, uh, the difference smaller. So that we uh, go near uh, to Europe and uh, near in the partnerships. For, for me, a very important point is uh, to change the partnerships uh, in richtung cooperations uh, or takeovers or everything that uh, we have to discuss. So that we have um, a shorter uh, and uh, directly contacts to the customers and work in the in the same boat, row in the sorry, row in the same boat. It's uh, not not only a, a a point between a supplier and customers. It's a it's a really partnership in the future. A strategical partnership.
1: Yeah, and any more comments from the panel about comparing Chinese and, and Western suppliers there?
2: Yeah, maybe if I can add on what um, Rolf just said. Um, I'm, again, I'm not talking about, uh, let me say consumer goods, uh, something like this, which is completely different from industry or yeah, automotive where I do come from. But uh, I can... Uh, also confirm what Rolf what said, so typically Chinese approach, at least from my uh, humble experience, is that they would uh, rather try to uh, do mergers, acquisitions. Um, so they, mm, their approach is not necessarily in the first step to build up from scratch their own infrastructure, including a production in Europe. Uh, taking also their people from 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 China to Europe, but just to um, not just uh, their approaches to doing yeah merger acquisition, just buy a German a European company, tie up with them. Whether it's uh, a complete um, acquisition, whether it's a merger, a joint venture, whatever. Uh, so this is what I uh, could see from my approach, and I also can totally agree on on what Rolf said. Basically, in terms of. Um, uh, capability in terms of skills, there is not not so much difference. Uh, but I also see the main difference in um, in cultural um, business culture differences. I mean, of course, the one is not better than the other, and the other is not worse uh, than than uh, the one. It's just uh, different um, language is still a challenge. Um, I also um, um, experienced uh, a challenge that can be could be overcome, of course. Um, but um I can I can yeah underline what or I can I can confirm what, what uh Rolf just said this um, there's a usually a different business culture different mindset um so um um just one example from from my um previous um experience this was also the 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 tentative to bring uh, a Chinese supplier to the european market so into into european and especially into German uh, oems um and uh, the expectations in term of uh, in terms of duration so how long does this take was really really um very different I don't want to say it was incompatible uh, but the ideas were were really um very far away and 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 this I think is the the main challenge to get this this mindset yeah but again what we just um, mentioned in 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 in, uh, several at several points uh, this is not a one way direction it's always going in both directions so uh, also uh, in Europe, and Germany, we have to think about maybe changing, adapting our processes, maybe getting more agile, uh, qu- uh, quicker than what we uh, used to be. So uh, it can never be seen, or it must never be seen, only in one direction. That would be a complete, uh, completely uh, the complete, wrong, completely wrong approach. Jan, any more comments? Or you, you look like you want
4: to? Yes, I, I mean just just adding on to what what Rolf and and Thomas just said um I, I think in in the end um both the the western world and the and the chinese world have have their their cultural differences but when when you're talking about about quality um i i feel that the the chinese supplier landscape has has become very very mature and and stable in in the recent years and the, the key to to really benefit from that, also in in uncertain times like we're facing right now, it, it's really to to keep up a close a close communication. Um, part of that could could be done remotely as well with with video calls or or phone calls, but if if you have people on the ground and you can also spend spend half a day at at your supplier's factory or even accompany them. To go to their upstream raw material suppliers to understand what's the situation there, what are the challenges, and just just to put your heads together to to find solutions, uh, then I think it's it's still possible to to maintain or even increase the quality, uh, no, no matter what what the external challenges are.
1: Yeah, we're getting
2: some more in, in the chat here. I know Thomas, can you read see the chat? I just uh, saw a message popping up. But then it disappeared again so i had no chance to read it really oh,
1: okay then then because this question is is for you it's a bit uh, longer but i'll um, yeah i'll just maybe just just read it from okay. from patrick who is also working for a consulting company for supply chain which pairs long-term factories in china with the customers and he's saying with the tariffs added on by corona issues Um, some of his American customers are looking to vertically integrate the services by reshoring production since the global supply chain has been unstable. Um, So that's uh, that's why we came up with a transshipment idea. Um, And he's asking in in what ways are your consulting companies, your consulting company, adapting
2: to stay competitive? Um, I'm not sure whether I got uh, completely the, the the question um but um, basically um so um i don't know if this is replying to the question uh, so um before and, and we were talking about localization this is also applying to our uh, company of course so uh, we try to be present wherever our customers are present uh, in order to be there on site in order to have their local staff in order to be able to react uh, very quickly to be very quickly on site and um, for this we are constantly monitoring of course also the movements in, in the market uh, where our customers move um, generally speaking in, in 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 our business or in the business where our customers our target customers Um, are um, working, we are um, talking more and more, and this is already a reality about global business, so there usually is not one project limited to a certain region, to a certain geographical region. Um, Often it is really global projects happening at the same time on different uh, continents, and uh, this is the way how we um, are, let me say, not reacting but but actually uh, preactively preparing to this, uh in order to be present also where our uh, customers are uh, present i'm not not sure whether this is replying to the question
1: yeah patrick you can uh, mention if it was not or come up with a, another question uh feel free also mention here uh, corona and and COVID before moving on to a, another topic i have here uh, yes it did answer your question very good <laughs> thank you thank you
2: very much um,
1: happy <laughs> um uh, before we move on to a to, uh, more more uh, specific topic again, I would like to open up the crystal ball just for, for a short statement from everybody. Uh, as Patrick mentioned yeah, here, the corona situation, and we know uh, most countries around the world have m- more or less opened up and, and uh, tried to live with corona and... and uh, enable travel, not only of goods, but also of of people back and forth. China is one of the few countries with a a zero COVID approach. Um, And speculation, of course, is and then this also affects supply chain. Well, will they also open up and go to the live with COVID once there is a, uh, let's say, locally made um, vaccination or will China stay Closed off to travel and and people movement for for longer. Yeah, I know there's no definite answer, but um, you have different sources and ideas. Uh, can you share what is your idea on this crystal ball question, Roland?
3: Yeah, yeah. It may be. I, I think first we have to consider that uh, the zero COVID strategy in China means really zero COVID, as Jan said before. If there's one case, there are already lockdowns, they close the airports, they close close container ports, they cancel flights, and um, there's no indication that uh, China will change this uh, policy in in the next month or even one to two years uh, to come. And um, And the Delta variant is already a big game changer for the zero COVID policy. Uh, You can't control the Delta uh, variant. And uh, when the Omicron comes, it's even perhaps it's even more difficult to control it. So that means there will be local outbreaks um, in the whole year of uh, 2022. And um, so China will react in these old ways again and again. But this also means the border stay close. Um, China has nothing big to to gain from opening the the border, but they have to to lose a lot. And um, don't forget, Chinese people, they are vaccinated with Chinese vaccine. Chinese vaccines efficacy rate is not very high, not as BioNTech or Moderna. And that means... Um, opening of the border means um, COVID is coming back. And I guess Beijing also, uh, they watched really very carefully what happened in other, uh, other countries. We have seen it in Singapore. Uh, Singapore had a uh, vaccination rate of 85% only with BioNTech and Moderna. Nevertheless, they had in, in November, they have infection rates about two to 3,000 people per day. So um, if you calculate this for China, for the population of China, that means you have half a million up to 1 million infections per day. And this is not sustainable. China can't accept this. Even one case is too much. Even 100 per day is is too much. Um, uh, The healthcare system system is not as advanced in Singapore. So my guess is China will keep the doors closed in the next year 2022 in 2023 there will be some very minor liberaliz- liberalizations for business travelers perhaps business travelers could come in 2023 but still have to undergo a quarantine for two weeks or so and when we are talking about quarantine free travel we are talking about 2024 so in the end, I guess China, China's borders stay closed for another two years. Okay. Any any
1: different opinions on that, or you basically everybody sort of has agrees on that?
4: Yes. If if I may add, I mean personally, I I have been hoping uh, for some some relaxations um, towards the the second half of, of next year, um, but I I start to feel now that that this may be too too optimistic um simply for two reasons um the first reason being that that the the new new variants of of the covid virus uh, namely delta and and omicron are are changing the game and the whole speed of uh, I- improving and then rolling out the the vaccinations cannot cannot keep up with that and uh, the second point as as roland just mentioned uh from from a chinese perspective there is there is nothing to win there is nothing to gain and uh, the risk of of having major outbreaks or or other issues due to a too relaxed or or too fast opening um are, are simply exceeding the gains that, that's why i i also think that that things will will still be kept very 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 uh, restricted and no no risk will be taken and and again uh, zero zero covid here indeed means means zero covid so there is no no tolerance for even even single digit cases
1: let's brace ourselves for that then uh, for for next year as as well i have, I have one more topic here that uh, we have also mentioned in our uh, uh, agenda um, which we haven't talked much about yet uh, and it's, it's a topic actually that you could do your own webinar on which which might uh, actually happen in uh, 2022 it is uh, the adoption of the n- uh, new supply chain laws also in germany the lieferkettengesetz and uh, these type of issues which will bring yeah a lot of change to to some companies and then Let's say politics says, oh, it will not change much. It will be no problem. And company says, oh, it's a disaster. It will will bring lots of cost and issues and problems. And um, the question is, where is the truth on that? Um, I know we are not lawyers here, but I mean, we are people in the supply chain business. Um, What is
2: your take on that situation? Yeah, maybe if I can um, open the discussion here, so um, my personal opinion is, um, and again as a personal opinion, it's, it's good that something like this is existing or will exist, um, I'm not judging the content, so you can always discuss about that, um, but what I also said during the keynote is that it's important to get prepared to it um not just to wait until it comes into function and then to react but uh, to to actively um prepare for it and not to see it as a as a as a challenge as as a risk as a threat uh, but to see it as an opportunity because of course in in the first approach you could say oh no i have to change my suppliers because maybe some of them uh, are not really compliant to what is now Uh, requested by uh, the supply chain law Um, but but really to see it as 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 an opportunity to review uh, your own um, supply chain the whole supply chain and um, yeah also to to um, reply let me say to I call it a responsibility not only in terms of of our business uh, in terms of profitability uh, but really also in terms of of social responsibility so um that is again personal opinion.
1: Yeah. Anybody else uh, being me, affected by it? I, I think Jan, you're not affected that much by it because your market is North America. Oh, Rolf. Sorry. Go ahead. Yes. Uh,
5: for me, the, uh, the critical point are um, small and medium-sized companies, because I think for big uh, for big companies, it's possible uh, to follow this uh, new rules. Um, I see uh, a lot of things, uh, the big companies, they go to, the, to their uh, suppliers, uh, the small and medium-sized companies, and uh, ask them, uh, show me uh, your lever-cateness, how you, how you save uh, the new rules. For the small and medium-sized companies, is uh, not possible to bring this information, and that's, for me, the critical
1: point. Yeah, so it's, it's mainly an issue for, for small companies, which is, I think, the majority of our participants uh, here. There is a question going up from William. Um, yes. Yes, William, welcome. Please ask, ask your question. Or maybe quickly say uh, which company you're coming from as well so we know what's I, your
6: background. I, 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 uh, now uh, I'm working uh, based in Ningbo. Mainland China is the, the the world uh, biggest seaport uh, for the for the big uh, you know commodities and the world top uh, three uh, number three port for the containers and Ningbo is uh, uh, south to Shanghai and uh, very close to Shanghai. My my company is called NBLQ and so. Actually, I, I, uh, I'm very interested in listening uh, what all of your uh, gentlemen's talk about, discuss and talked about the supplier chain, and all your opinions, and uh, uh, based on the current situation of the COVID-19, about the forecast opinions, uh, your comments. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, so actually, yeah, just a couple two days uh, 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 ago. So the, there is one district in uh, Ningbo Municipal City uh, is, which is locked down, 100% locked down because of the uh, you know uh, some positive cases uh, detected, and uh, so far a little bit developing, but. Uh, uh, yeah, the local government authority Ningbo uh, take very fast, very determined uh, actions measures to control. So this is uh, the, the 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 strong will of China government authority and very powerful, very powerful. So my question, my question for you all gentlemen is, so. Uh, uh, do you think uh, in terms of the global supply chain uh, uh, you know the, the transform uh, uh, which is much related to mainland China uh, to the other source uh, other Asian countries uh, Asian supplier like Vietnam like Malaysia like India uh, do you think uh, so uh, l- Lots of suppliers, particularly for the automotive industry, will move uh, to that area uh, uh, most probably uh, uh, from the plan B supplier uh, consideration or from the lower, much lower cost consideration. Yes, yeah, so I'm a local Chinese. I have my personal opinion, but I, will, I would like to really listen to more uh, about this uh, from by by really good chance of this uh, webinar you, you understand my question Are yes clear we'll, or not yes william thank you uh, for, for your
1: for your question i think it's a good question um, not sure if you joined from the beginning we discussed this question a little bit um at the beginning of the the webinar um
6: no, it's not. not. I, I joined in in the midway of the webinar. Ah. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, it, it was actually a topic that was discussed. So so maybe I'll summarize this. Uh, uh, yes, please. For you, the, I think the opinions were um, the people will. there there is a big chance of people moving because of the supply chain issues to Southeast Asia and back to Europe because it makes the supply chain easier. It's a cost issue. Um, But it's not that easy to move, especially if you're in industrial goods, like in the automotive, you don't
6: set up your new supply chain overnight. Um, Because because I would like to talk to you, gentlemen. Uh, My personal opinion is for particularly for automotive industry specifically, it's not easy. Why? The main reason is because globally for automotive industry, mainland China is already become the world largest OEM base, uh, or world largest uh, for the automotive for the car making, and for the consuming also. So uh, if if you buy the uh, buy the things uh, from Tier One or Tier Two uh, from uh, outside China, uh, you know, so, and move to mainland China, uh, so lots of logistic cost and also, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, for, I only talk about automotive industry. I globally, I I think more and more uh, Tier One, Tier Two. Suppliers from outside China—they like they must, uh, or from top management decision, set up their footprint or affiliate or branch uh, office, at least, or even the manufacturer workshop here in local China, to meet the requirement—the the the the, you know the safe uh, supply to uh, mainland China OEM customer requirement. This is my personal opinion. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. May, may Thank I
3: answer? You. Uh, William. May I answer your question? Thank um, you. Yeah, please, uh, Peter. Yeah, because we from Germany Trade in the West, we did an uh, analysis of uh, yeah analysis of of this relocation process. So, which um, industrial sectors are relocating from China? Uh, especially to Vietnam and Malaysia, and we found out it's mostly it's uh, the classical labor-intensive industries. Um, it's textile, it's furniture, it's some electronic industry. But as you said, in in the automotive part industry, as you said, China is the biggest automotive market, so there's not really a big reason to leave China. Yeah. Thank you. We share the same. Thank yeah. you very
6: much. Yeah. Danke. Uh, genau. Yeah. Das glaube okay. ich auch. Thank
1: you. That that's a very good sort of almost closing mark here. That the panelists and the participants agree and have the same opinions. Very but, very well. Yes. Good. Um, yes. Maybe in, then yeah we're coming to to a close in in uh, in a few minutes. Thank you for your question, William. And um, as a last. Topic, um, we have only three, four minutes left. I would like every panelist, Roland, Thomas, Jan, and, and Rolf, to make your closing remarks, one, two sentences. What are the key issues that you see going forward? Uh, what what will, will be the, the main things? And looking at the time, if you
2: can keep it brief. Yeah, then maybe I will start start off. So first of all, um, thanks again uh, for having the possibility to share our opinions, experiences, and and thoughts about this very interesting topic with uh, all of you. Um, as a takeaway for me, I think um, basically, uh, I think everybody's facing the same Um, Difficulties uh, depending again on case by case, commodity, um, industry, uh, business uh, and so on, as we just found out. Um, For me personally, I think the biggest um, challenge will continue to be the, the, the COVID restrictions. Um, This is affecting also me personally, because uh, I should have been uh, or I should be in China right now already uh, for some time, which is not the case for uh, exactly this reason. Um, And um, besides my own um, um, situation, I think this will be the main challenge, Um, hopefully only in 2022. But actually, as we found out, nobody really knows. So thanks again to everybody who participated and. Uh, who uh, contributed to preparing uh, and make this webinar happen?
1: Jan, Roland,
4: closing remarks. Rolf, Jan, all right? Yeah, then uh, I would I would go next. So also thanks thanks a lot for having me, and uh, I believe looking into into next year uh, 2022, um, the the key challenges that that we see. Um, will be around uh, inventory and and cost so at at the end of the day in in the past one one and a half years uh, the focus um, at least for for the companies i have been with and talked to was really on on securing supply so making sure there is there is product there are parts in in the pipeline but at the end of the day this has resulted in in a significant increase in inventories from raw material to, to finished goods, simply due to uncertainty and also the the increased lead times, plus uh, added cost uh, due to rising raw material prices, the container rates, and so on. And this this will be, uh, I feel, a a challenge and a target for for most companies to to somehow manage that and bring bring that down to a more more reasonable level again.
1: Okay, thank you, Jan.
4: Rolf? Okay.
5: Uh, I'm convinced that uh, relationships and supply chains in the near future will be changed. Uh, let's start the discussion. How uh, can we um, make this uh, changing uh, on the right way for both partners or for all partners? Yes, and um, I think we have, uh, from the from the view of the customers, uh, think new um, new ways. Let's find it and. Let's start the
1: discussion. Thank you, Roland. The last word is with you.
3: Yeah, perhaps at the end. What what, what can we advise? Um, I would say just prepare. The situations will will continue to to be difficult. Um, freight rates will stay high, even if they decrease a little. Um, travel restrictions won't ease to China, so just prepare for the yeah for the future. Yes, thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you very much to Roland, Rolf, Jan, Thomas, to our panelists uh, for the discussion. And also, thank you to all the participants and for the the questions that were coming up. It was a pleasure. I hope you're taking something with you. And I think uh, Neville. You will also show the, the QR codes of the people, or you will, um, there you have them. So if you want to be in contact with with someone, um, feel free to uh, contact all of us through WeChat or LinkedIn, or just uh, send an email um, to China team and we'll put you in, in touch with the people. And um, Neville, do you want to f- f- add on something?
0: Yes, Peter. Thanks. Yes, and uh, uh, thanks add for moderating. Okay, thank. thanks for moderating the discussion, and a special thanks to the panelists for sharing uh, your knowledge, opinions, and information, and your experience. Uh, as Peter mentioned before, please scan the QR codes to remain connected with the panelists on LinkedIn or WeChat. Uh, I think in in Roland's case, um you he can be contacted through the German trade and event trade and invest GTAI website. Is that right, Roland? Yep. And finally, Xiaolong Hu's uh podcast, the China Hot Pod Podcast, hosted by Xiaolong Hu, where he discusses topics in depth with experts in germany and china providing tailor-made solutions the podcast is in shaolong's second language which is german and is available at all the major podcast aggregators uh so if you search for china hot pod that's c-h-i-n-a-h-o-t-p-o-d one word podcast hosted by shaolong Hu, and the uh, recording of the webinar will be available on youtube uh it will uh, uh, on youtube as well as a podcast and this will be published in the next few days so that's the end of the 2021 uh china team china webinar i wish you all a, a very merry christmas happy new year and look forward to seeing you in 2022. Okay, thanks. Bye bye.
2: Thank you. Bye bye. Thank
3: you. Thank you. Bye bye. Everybody. Happy holidays. Bye bye. Yeah. Yeah. Happy holidays. Merry
2: Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas and happy new year.
0: The China team China webinar will be back next year in 2022. So keep a lookout for posts on LinkedIn.